Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether that option will pass constitutional measure with this administration, I can't tell you. By the time it gets litigated, it will probably give some additional time. The justification from the legal team is that this is a different moratorium. It's narrow. For her to come back from everything she's been dealing with and all the attendant pressure and medal at the Olympics, she's amazing. JB, thanks for the coverage. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. We're focused on COVID. Joe Biden suggests that if you don't do lockdown policies, then you should, quote, get out of the way. But let me tell you this. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm not going to let you get away with it. There we go. Ronnie D. Laying down the law again. Every speech of his now is a... I just love him more every day. Barn burner, man. He is directly on the pulse of where people are. Well, and it's a barn burner, but because he's like... I mean, you always see a lot of this like highfalutin rhetoric from like the senators and stuff because they can't really do very much. Right. You know, like Ted Cruz was always a big like giving these great, you know, one liner when he said like the world is burning or you know, mm-hmm. didn't he say we were going to turn the Middle East into a lake or something stupid? I don't remember. But like you get this rhetoric from people, but he's a governor and he's actually doing this stuff like. He says he's going to get in the way, and he's getting in the way of what the Biden administration wants to do. Like, he means it, which is awesome. It's also unbelievable that during a pandemic, the the administration, this is the sober, um, thoughtful administration, is spending time torching a future political opponent in Florida, suggesting that he's obstructing. Well, of course they're afraid. But you'd think that decent people in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And just trying to blow this guy up in Florida, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good when she's saying that he should step aside. Whatever. Nobody's buying that. Nobody's buying that these incompetents are doing something right and he's doing something wrong. And they'll mm-hmm. 
blame him for the spike of cases in Florida, but give themselves credit for telling people to get vaccinated in Florida. Right. It's when so he's pro- honestly said more about getting vaccinated this yes. whole time than any of them has. And I don't know. It's just incredible to me. But you're right. It looks so petty and small that they're going after governors. And it was bad enough when Biden was sort of vaguely referring to people as having Neanderthal thinking. But now you have the press secretary of the United States, quote, tweeting videos of governors she doesn't like and making little snide remarks about them. And that's what's like incredible to me is, you know, these are the same people who told us how terrible it was that Trump was a vindictive, angry Twitterer, and they're doing the exact same thing. Oh, completely. So, and to be honest, that is something that I wasn't a big fan of with Trump. Like, I wish Trump would have spent less time on Twitter going after people personally. But, you know, if I have to choose between two sets of people, both of whom are going to get in little petty Twitter feuds over things, then I'd rather pick the team that agrees with me because there isn't apparently a side that isn't taking on that that tactic for handling their political ambitions but it really is incredible like the the amount of ire he's raised and i think that it's interesting because um you know i think it's abnormal that a a presidential administration would spend this much time and energy going after um a governor who appears to be quite popular just because he disagrees with them i mean trump did a little of that trump acted like a jerk sometimes to governors who um you know, he didn't get along with, clearly, like the Michigan governor and other people. But um, this, it, it is, it's petty and it's stupid. And I don't think it looks good when Trump does it or when they do it. And I think that, that the reason they're doing it now when they're supposed to be the normal politicians is that is that they are scared of Ron DeSantis, not even necessarily politically, although I think they know that they would have no chances against him in 2024. I don't even think they're thinking that far ahead, though. I think that... Uh, they're concerned that the way that he talks about this stuff and the way that he puts forward these laws and gets things done for people um, looks bad for them right now, you know, not for 2024 or whatever. Like, I don't think they're scared of him for 2024. Like, I don't even think they're thinking about that right now. I think they're thinking that, you know, if Florida's allowed to go forward without having mask mandates in schools and... um things stay the same in Florida that they have over the last year, which is pretty much the same as New York and everywhere else, that uh, that other people will ask, why are we under mask mandates? Right. No, it's a total re- referendum on the entire uh, lockdown, the entire mm-hmm. approach we took as a country. And especially now as people are seeing their livelihoods ripped apart which in their, their businesses saying, wait a second, look at Florida. Yeah, they're free right, right now. And deaths are up everywhere. And they're certainly, uh, I'm sorry, de- 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 hospitalizations are up everywhere. Deaths are up as well. Um, they're not where we were. Right, exactly. Certainly. Uh, but on July 7th, there were zero. And I, today in Florida, there were, there were, um, I'm not sure. Uh, it says 143, but I don't think that that's just today. They're reporting weekly statistics in Florida, though. Is that, could that be why? So that they're not doing daily reporting anymore in Florida. I think. Or are they I not? I think they're doing weekly, so maybe that's why. Maybe 143 is the week. 
But so we were at this level uh, in May, essentially. Mm-hmm. The big spike before that was in December and January. That's the big one where a bunch of people died. Oh, wait, everywhere. It's not well, just and all- I wish people wouldn't act like we didn't expect uh, COVID to be back again. Because we did. But there's now- Okay, seven-day average is 62 at the moment. Okay. And July 7th, the seven-day average was 15. Okay. But, I mean, their cases and deaths went up last summer also. The key is that we keep it lower by having vulnerable people vaccinated. And also, here's the thing, is that ultimately, it's okay if people... This is going to sound so terrible. It's okay if people make choices that lead to them dying of COVID. And I think most of the people that don't want the vaccine would tell you right now that they would rather take their chances getting COVID and that they know the risks and that they're okay with that. I mean, like, isn't that what you think most people who don't want to take the vaccine believe? Um, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, point, obviously, and, 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 I don't and, want people to die, but... If you say there are risks here and I've evaluated them and I'm going to take these risks, I also don't know that that needs to be called a public health crisis. You know, if people die in motorcycle crashes without a helmet on, like, obviously that's tragic. But I don't really understand why you need to, like, spend my tax dollars telling them to put on a motorcycle helmet if they don't want to. It just makes no sense to me. Like, they knew the risks of that and they wanted to do it. And that's fine. Like... So, I mean, like, not that it's not tragic when somebody dies, because obviously it is tragic. It's tragic for everybody around them and the whole thing. But, you know, we it's a principle of mine that we want to live in a society where people are allowed to make choices like that. And and we make choices like that every day. We don't accept zero risk tolerance for anything else. Like, you know, we put our kids in the car every day. We drive them places. We do things. We eat runny eggs. We eat medium rare steak like i mean we do all kinds of things mm-hmm. that are inherently risky all the time right and, and, and i think people should know that the potential for florida like we saw that uh, like i said back in in december january you see the spike is huge it's at its apex mm-hmm. and the that's right it's apex 50 percent of people in florida have been vaccinated so the whole ball game has now been halved and probably at least another third of the other people are immune from having had it. Right. And then another part of those people, of course, are just simply young people who can mm-hmm. get it all day and generally be okay. Yes. So this this thing, it's I, I hate to say it because people are still dying, but the as it stands now, the credits are rolling on the pande- COVID-19 pandemic. Of course. Of course. And, you know, like with the flu, and the flu is like a notoriously low uptake vaccination. Very few, you know, not very few, but like, you know, less than half of people get a flu shot every year. It just doesn't have really broad um, adoption. But, you know, like people know that you can die from flu. I believe that's a thing that people know, but they know that it's relatively rare and they make a decision about whether they want to take the vaccine or risk getting flu and dying of it. You know, and I mean, people do die of flu. That's a yes. true thing. But, you know, the, it's also something that we live with and nobody freaks out because somebody didn't get a flu shot. Like we don't run around every winter going like, oh, my God, tons of people didn't get a flu shot. This is so scary. Yes, absolutely. And so so we've got a few things happening here. And you talk about the, the administration being wary 
of um, its political vulnerabilities, and it, and it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I would say on in foreign policy, so far things are okay. Domestically, you've got this sort handling, of okay. Well, at the moment, comparably to domestically, how about that? Mm-hmm. You, you've got. Well, okay, things aren't okay, actually. Foreign policy. There's the hacking but, of well, infrastructure but, but, uh, but, and the Nord Stream pipeline. Well, okay, yeah. but, but oh, the, the set is being, the, the table is being set, the mm-hmm. stage is being set for total disaster globally, but it's not <laughs> happening at this moment right now. Right, we're not in a war. Okay. Exactly, exactly. But so, but domestically, you've got the handling in the, in the, in the, um, the vaccinations didn't go like they thought it would be. It's getting better, certainly, mm-hmm. but they stepped all over themselves. We've now seen that these healthcare people are whack jobs. These are three K. If you're in a car with Rochelle Walensky, uh, Tony Fauci, and Francis um, Collins. Collins, you're in a car with three insane people. I mean, fair. No, so, 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 okay, that's fine. They have no handle on the border. Currently, and this isn't like this happens every year. And the best they're going with, and we'll play this audio, is is that um, they were left vulnerable by Trump, mm-hmm. right? Biden said, "Come in here, surge in," literally, and they had T-shirts made, and they surged in, and they're still surging in. A lot of and from all over the world, not just from the Northern oh, yeah. Triangle root causes area, <clears throat> right? Do they not realize that CNN is everywhere? CNN is in Budapest and Ghana and, uh, uh, you know, and in Guatemala. Yeah, as they well. all heard you. And yes, for the last four years saying Trump mean we're good, we're pro-immigrant. Not only that, but between the handling of the economy and the fact that we've now got inflation and still people can't are not getting back to work, the jobs numbers aren't good. The economy mm-hmm. is going to be roaring around long anyway. And the economy in many ways is very strong no matter what. But we've screwed up and to, we've uh, shot ourselves in the foot with other things. Like you said, the Nord Stream pipeline and screwing our own Keystone pipeline. <coughs> okay, mm-hmm. fine. Um, well, and Biden's been fortunate on the economic stuff in some ways because, so for example, like a lot of the states got rid of the extra unemployment before the Biden administration did. Mm-hmm. And... They at first said they were going to try and find a way, like some loophole, so that they could still get that money to people, even if the states weren't distributing it. And then when they saw the employment numbers, which had been insanely bad, get slightly better after a bunch of states did that, they backed off and said, actually, we're not going to try and get the extra money to people. And those those additional benefits expire everywhere in the next month or so. So then, then, you know, then we're going to see like some of their things were timing out anyway. So Mm -hmm. that's going to help with some of the jobs numbers and inflation numbers, but it's not going to be because of anything they did. It's going to be because the things that they screwed up are going to sunset away and. Oh, no doubt about that. But also you're right about then you talk about the lockdowns and what they did to businesses, et cetera. And that's a big blue state thing, no matter what people Mm want to say. Um, And none of that. And now add to that. And I think I'm forgetting a couple of domestic things, but. Just uh, well, uh, obviously, we're still broken. Be, the racial reckoning, which was a Democratic campaign ruse, really, right? Which was all about an election. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that has made cities far less safe. So crime has spiked throughout the country. This is Democratic sp- crime that's spiking throughout the country. They mm-hmm. own this completely. You know, they right. own it completely. Right, and I mean, as Democrats are fond of saying. When it suits them, and they're right about this, when they do say it, there's like that expression that like 
when white America gets a cold, black America gets a fever or whatever, Mm. like these things hit communities that are already struggling harder. So if you are, if you do, like if you want to view it as like systemic oppression or just like historical, you know, being set further back from the starting line, all these things that they do, like when they hurt small businesses, it hurts minority owned disadvantaged small businesses more than bigger stronger businesses well and that's when, you're saying that's a ripple effect but i'm saying that they, they literally were allowed to burn the black yeah, neighborhoods then and they cities. literally looted and burned down right. the black neighborhoods and, and, and called cities. The cops off now the crime is spiking in the black neighborhoods right. and cities george floyd this square stuff, is not a safe place to be this stuff is hurting minority communities exactly. more so, than white people it's that's what's absolutely the worst thing about it is that this is supposed to like help the social ills of racism and they've done nothing but make it worse like the pandemic lockdowns 100 percent hurt people of color more and so add to that the uh, eviction moratorium mm-hmm. and it's nuts you should have heard the callers i had today landlords in connecticut mm-hmm. who had it stuck to them there's supposed to be a state thing that both the landlord and the tenant can both uh, fill apply. out a form, apply, mm-hmm. etc. There's all sorts of problems with it. Half the tenants are saying, for you, I'm not applying for anything. For you, because so, I so just what, hate you. What's happened is, in, in, in for a bunch of callers, in late 2019, mm-hmm. December, whatever, they were late on rent. And then as soon as January and February happened, then they get the moratorium. And then they're like, oh, well, screw this. And they, I've had people call today who it's been more than almost a year and a half now. Where they've had tenants who have just stiffed them. Mm-hmm. Totally just stiffed them. There's no fear of being evicted. And they're not coming up with deals. They're just saying, F you. And we, uh, there's another. I got, mm-hmm. I got this incredible call today. And this I heard this from a few people. But one big call is a woman at a, a big, um, we'll say apartment building, so to speak. Okay. Who works there in the uh, building office, the building management office. Mm-hmm. Has said that. In the last year, the envelopes coming in with rent checks have trickled to a almost a halt from tenants. Mm-hmm. But applications for uh, parking permits have spiked. So they're buying cars. They're buying cars. Absolutely. And this is fantastic. We don't have to pay for anything. You know, maybe you can assuage your uh, guilt by saying, well, you know, the government will take care of them, too. Or they're yeah, short, in short, or you know what, they're just jerk landlords. The problem is, and like, so we dealt with this with the unemployment when somebody got unemployment in your name and we had to call them to get it changed so that you could apply for unemployment. And when you, the unemployment system is a beast to deal with and it's terrible and draining and sucks the life out of you. But you go through it because at the end of it, they give you money, right? So, like, there's an incentive to put up with the broken, terrible government bureaucratic process because you get money at the end. But what they've done with the way they've set up this whole rental assistance and eviction moratorium thing is they've put the burden of doing the paperwork on the person who doesn't have to pay any money to the landlord. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like if the landlords could just do the process to get the rental assistance themselves without needing to ask the renters, then obviously they would do that because they're the ones hurting for money because the renters don't have to pay them anymore. But 
you know, if you're a renter and you don't have to pay, why would you go through the burdensome, unemployment-esque, terrible process dealing with government officials and stupid red tape and paperwork just so that your landlord that you probably hate anyway can get paid? Like, it's not worth it to you. There's no incentive because it's the same to you either way, whether or not your landlord gets paid, at least in the short term, it seems that way to people. And as a matter of fact, to a lot of terrible tenants, it's probably true that there's an incentive to them to make sure their landlord doesn't get paid because they don't like them very much. No. You know, they enjoy screwing over landlords. And there's like so much of this glee all over Twitter. People saying like, see, you were dependent on the money of the renters anyway. Ha ha. Sucks to be you. You've always been leeching off them. Like, no, not exactly. I mean, they were providing you with a service and now they still are. And you're not paying for it like just the absolute willful blindness about the way any of this works is totally outrageous it's horrific and 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 the thing is that when biden rolled extended to this thing yesterday he did it knowing that it was unconstitutional whether that option will pass constitutional measure with this administration i can't tell you by the time it gets litigated will probably give some additional time. There you go. So we'll see. Yeah, we know. It's, it's, it, can't, it has no leg to stand what on. What is but it going to help these renters at this point to be another two months behind on their rent before they get evicted? Well, I, I, mean, <laughs> I talked to somebody today whose who's, uh, son's friend owned their first property and got foreclosed on because they'd been getting stiffed. It's terrible. It's terrible what's happening here. And you feel for renters who've had a bad time of it. But what are we doing here? Well, yeah, but they can apply for a rental assistance, though. That's the thing. Yes. Spent 36 years in the Senate, was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, eight years of vice president, half a year as president. He speaks often about democracy versus autocracy. He's issuing or overseeing this order from the CDC in the face of doubts about its constitutionality, which he seemed to echo yesterday. There's no inconsistency here. The president is, I mean, there are, there are many people out there who say that the president is, is, is essentially not giving voice to the ethic that he campaigned on. He didn't call Congress back. He asked Congress to act. It didn't. How do you square all that? You know, I'm going to ask you who's saying that. Well, there are plenty. Hear that? Who's saying it? Who's saying it? Well, Who's saying it? Because we want to get them banned off Facebook. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. What's that? It's else? a website that I pulled up with border numbers. Started auto playing an ad. Believe me, it happens to me now on the other <laughs> radio three times a day. Suddenly, there's a jazz quartet, and I'm like, "What window is it? I don't even know." Plenty of people who are saying it. They are not just Republicans. Okay, I'll I'll leave that to others to figure out. But I think what's important to note here is that the president would not have moved forward with a step where he didn't feel comfortable and confident in the legal justification. But he didn't feel comfortable and confident in the legal justification. Yeah, he said that just this buys people time while they litigate it. He knows it's not going to pass constitutional muster. He said right there that a lot of legal scholars think it's totally illegal and unconstitutional. And he's doing it anyway. So I personally, like, just the part of me that's vindictive really looks forward to the day when a president, Ron DeSantis, or somebody else, like a real strongman, just, you know, decides to ban abortion or whatever and they're like you know i know that the supreme court said this is unconstitutional but we're just gonna ban it and uh you know it'll take time to litigate if the executive branch 
just push something unconstitutional on the American people, infringing on the rights of private ownership of American of Americans, mm-hmm. while bypassing Congress in a uh, in a condition now nationally where we're no longer in a state of emergency, an existential state of emergency, I would say that I want on uh, early 2023, when the Republicans are sworn into Congress as the majority and get the majority in the Senate, Mm -hmm. I want to start impeaching day effing one. Yeah, Let's he should go. be impeached for this. Absolutely. This is ridiculous. I'm going to do things as president that I know are illegal just to give myself some time to do them while the Supreme Court Ab- issues a ruling. I mean, that's like this the is- most insane thing I think I've literally ever yes. heard a president it, it, say. And this is by bypassing another branch of government. This is absolutely, this requires Congress to impeach this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I... Like, this doesn't stop here. And they've told us that this doesn't stop here. This isn't just about COVID rules and evictions. We've also been told that racism is a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, if the CDC now handles landlord-tenant law on the basis of what they've decided is a health crisis, what's to stop them from issuing edicts about who you can evict based on race? Oh, <laughs> because what's please, to stop that's... them from seizing your property? Because that's what this is. This is taking property from land. Like you, if you you don't own your property if you can't evict somebody from it. Right. So I mean, I sort of understand a little bit the justification for like right in the middle of a pandemic, like before we had tests or anything, then you didn't want like people out on the streets, homeless, breathing on each other or something. But like that justification is now gone. All these people can be vaccinated if they want to be. There's no public health Mm -hmm. reasoning behind this at this point. And I mean, they've put in hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines for evicting people on the basis of a public health crisis. And then they turn around and say racism is a public health crisis and climate is a public health crisis. And like, so... Yeah, so are you going to seize my house now and my property from me because climate is a public health crisis just through the CDC? Are you going to give loans and payouts to only black farmers? Apparently. Well, it's a public, racism is a public health crisis, honey, so the CDC can do that then. And what's happened now is that since you got the chance to do a a secret, um, what was Roosevelt's thing? Not the Great Society. What was New New Deal? A secret New Deal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or a, uh, a, a, a um, yeah, a, a, essentially a COVID-era New Deal going here. You've now got policies in place mm-hmm. that progressives have had as pipe dreams forever. They fantasized about rent-free. They love oh, this yeah. stuff. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so now you've got the activist base of the party saying, no, absolutely, no, this is just like Social Security. We don't relinquish this now. Mm-hmm. We stay with this. We demand it. And you've got spineless people at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue saying, okay, I guess just do it. Just do it, Rochelle Walensky. All right. I mean, what's incredible, too, is that, and I saw, I can't take credit for this. I saw somebody say this, but this whole thing makes Biden look simultaneously weaker than you thought and stronger than you thought. Because on the one hand, he's being pushed around by, like, Cori Bush and AOC because they slept on a sleeping bag at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Now, like, he's just doing what they want. Like, after he said he wasn't going to be able to do it, now right. he's being pushed around by them. And then at the same time, like, he's also just ignoring Congress and the Supreme Court completely. 
Yes. And so that's like, that's especially dangerous because the question then becomes, uh, you know, we're, we're in a dictatorship, but we're not in a dictatorship of Joe Biden with his mind intact. We're in a dictatorship of AOC and Cori Bush, which just means we're living in an insane world. So I like this is yes. really like one of the bigger things I think to happen in my lifetime, and of course the media is not making a big deal about it because that would make sense, right? So. And they're and they're looking instead of you know tapping directly into constituencies uh, from representatives mm-hmm. since they're they've gone around Congress now, so they've been taken out of the scenario. Their constituencies they're seeing are Twitter, and they're seeing oh, yeah. AOC with a sleeping bag, and and the other woman there crying, eating a, a really lot of Oreos. Uh, Cory Bush. <laughs> uh, in, and Bernie Sanders and them are hugging and this and that. And to people like Jen Psaki and the comms team, they're all young go-getters. Mm-hmm. They all have Twitter and they're saying, look at all these impressions. This, this must be what the world that's happening. Yeah. If if we have the press secretary dunk on Ron DeSantis, then Twitter goes crazy. Right. If we have and, the and they'll press high secretary- five each other and say, look mm-hmm. at this. We're really getting a lot of impacts on this. This is really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and this is. Interesting because Kamala Harris's campaign had a lot of this problem too. I mean, slightly to his credit, just as a politician, Biden on the campaign trail managed to avoid stepping into the worst pitfalls of that, of like going too woke. But that was a big part of Kamala's problem too, is that she surrounded herself with these types of people who are very online, the K hive, you know, they're very woke, they're very into it. Her fans were like a hundred percent all in on the most progressive idiotic stuff. So she was like playing to them on the one hand but also trying to be like an electable reasonable moderate former prosecutor on the other hand which i think would have been a much better place for her to be but she allowed herself to be driven by these kinds of like clicks and and twitter virality that that plays with that audience and you know and that's why you had her saying things like she was you know for the uh, Medicare for all plan and then she wasn't for it and then she was actually for it but she couldn't tell you if it would get rid of private insurance or you know she that's because she's you know like a a a windsock she just goes whichever way the wind is blowing whichever way the people in the room want her to go she'll go that direction so she's very influenced by these like very online progressive types and i mean like obviously aoc is like the master of that medium right is she's the original of that that they're all trying to be but you know it's dangerous for people like that to have that much influence frankly because they're i mean Oh, totally. Well, for one thing, they're insane. And for another thing, it's essentially living under mob rule because, you know, when the mob tells them that something is uh, reminiscent of anti-blackness or whatever, there's going to be some, you know, they'll come up with whatever crazy thing people online decide next about their animal noun self pronouns or whatever. Like, we all have to abide by it. Oh, absolutely. Or they're going to seize your house. Saki's rest of her answer. It is also a reality that there are legal steps that have been taken by the Supreme Court in the last few months. And we have spoken to that publicly. We're not going to hide from that. But he asked the CDC and his legal experts to look at what is possible. This is a narrow, targeted moratorium that is different from the national moratorium. Imagine saying that. He asked the CDC to look at what's possible as far as landlords evicting people. I don't want the CDC... Since when... 
was the CDC elected. This is freaking crazy. It's not an extension of that. It's a different it's not moratorium from a policy a one. and totally legal new. standpoint. Yes, yeah, so you're going to get stiffed in a different way <laughs> for this next uh, couple of months. Well, and the reason she's saying that is because the, the Supreme Court told them they had to stop the old eviction moratorium, that they were done with that. So now they're doing this. And it's interesting, like, even Jonah Goldberg. Now, did you see his tweet today? No. He's saying... Um, that Biden admitted the rent moratorium was unconstitutional. But again, by his own admission, he shopped lawyers who would say it isn't. This is a violation of the president's oath of office. Constitutional norms aren't just for the other team. Like, thanks, Jonah. Did you just notice that one team isn't playing by the rules at all? I mean, I hate to be all like, this is how you got Trump, because I know that's well, annoying, I but gotta, I feel I like, but, I, mean, I know you love Jonah, but I just think like, it's in constitutional he's norms. He's big just impeaching. The- he thinks a lot, like everybody should meet, every president should be impeached, and I tend to agree with him. All right, here's a, there was another uh, Saki question from Peter Ducey. You mentioned that the president is old school, and, no, and Steve noted sorry. that the, the president spent a significant amount of time in the Senate, and is also a lawyer. This is Whiteman. Um, when... What was the moment that the president became certain that he was on solid legal uh, standing to move forward with this extension? And what was the the argument, specific legal argument that won out and changed his mind? Because yesterday he seemed to be weighing the two the two options. Well, again, as I've been discussing. The justification from the legal team is that this is a different moratorium. It's <laughs> narrow. It's targeted at the highest, at the areas highest impacted. It is not an extension of the national moratorium that was struck down just six weeks ago. So, is is the sense here that you know this is temporary? It's still an open question about the constitutionality, but it is temporary. It was extended until October third. So it's it's still a question of whether or not this is constitutional, but it's worth it. I didn't say that. Um, that He would not have advocated for and supported moving forward with something if he was not comfortable with the legal justification. No, no, no. Of course he wouldn't. Uh, All right. You want to move from moratoriums? Uh, Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So so last night, of course, right as we were doing our show, uh, Chris Cuomo's show was beginning... And incredibly, or not incredibly, um, CNN made this program decision. Here's uh, Cuomo, the open to show. He's This is the crossover between John Berman and Cuomo. The news continues, so let's hand it over to Chris for Cuomo primetime. Beam was the one event that she did not get gold in in the last Olympics. So it was special for her. But for her to come back from everything... This is... No bueno. <laughs> you cannot have this guy talking to about Simone Biles in a show as if his brother is not at the center of a huge national controversy. You cannot. You can, but this is an obvious omission, and everybody's watching. She's been dealing with and all the attendant pressure and medal at the Olympics. She's amazing. JB, thanks for the coverage. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. We're focused on COVID here, especially until we get the Delta variant under control. And for now, as you know... And he goes to nail, go after DeSantis. That is remarkable. You could not have better said, okay, CNN, if you want to absolutely F up tonight, this Mm -hmm. is what we do. This is the F We put him out there. Yep, we put him out there, and he pretends it didn't happen. And we pretend we treat our audience with such disrespect and such really uh, ire that 
that we instead talk about DeSantis, uh, everything else, even though they're all watching. They even know that we're doing this. Right. I mean, I think it's almost worse because, like, the Hunter Biden stuff, when the mainstream media, like, all refused to cover the Hunter Biden laptop story or whatever, and they all, like acted like that wasn't there that was like on purpose ideological they were acting like the laptop wasn't there to like trick people but cnn doesn't want to be in this position like two-thirds of the state of new york wants cuomo to step down even Mm -hmm. democrats like they obviously have to cover this story they obviously would be covering this story because this is like generating the most clicks and interest of anything like purely from a business decision they want to be covering this story but they're not because they're just putting Cuomo out there. I mean, like, it's just the most embarrassing, like, bizarre thing. It, clearly, the guy can't be covering the news tonight because he has a huge personal connection to the biggest news story that's in going or, on. Or they could have him dive in. Mm-hmm. He could. It, they, he could just own it. Say, yes, we're going to do this story. He's my brother. You know that I'm obviously a compromised, or I'm, I've obviously got an opinion in this. He's family, etc. But these are the facts. This is what was said. Get the jury of people. You have a panel on. Said. He could. They could have owned it and done it, but they did the most cowardly thing ever, it, ever. And also, th- they should have done that because that. Well, he, the the problem is now that there's a chance he's implicated and everything. But the but they should have done that because he actually could have gotten some ratings had he been there talking about his brother. But it was such a terrible move. And then they go to Don Lemon. And this is so beautiful. This is beautiful. Then Cuomo's show's over. He has to cross with Don Lemon. Uh, I can, because we've watched it happen. Yeah. And we've seen it happen before. Yeah. The good news is there's always a chance for change. And hopefully we'll see yeah. that here. But our hearts and our thoughts have to go out to the families of these officers who took their own lives. I'm going to make my witness, as you say. And you make know your what? Witness. I love you, brother. I love you, D. Lemon. All right. This is Don Lemon tonight. Maybe he shouldn't be telling a workplace colleague that he loves him, considering <laughs> that his other brother is in trouble for that kind of thing. But that's fine. So those guys have their crossover. And Don Lemon then, wonder what he's going to start with. The calls are getting louder and louder. This is what I'm talking about. Top Democrats from New York to the White House calling on Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign. That in the wake of the bombshell. Were we not supposed to notice yeah, no, if you were an alien dropped on this planet, you would think that uh, Chris Cuomo was not related to the right. Andrew Cuomo that this other guy just started talking right, about because, because it would make no sense for it to be treated this way. Not only that, but this is a show that involves journalism in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Cuomo would be quite a get if you had the brother of the guy who's being called to resign. Right. But he's just nowhere to be found, although you were just talking to him about the cops. This is fantastic. Fantastic. And because they're not doing anything, they've made asses out of everybody on that station. Everybody. The whole thing is a huge embarrassment. It just looks pathetic. Uh, it's, I, well, do they not? I don't understand. Like, what? I don't know what business they're in. Because whatever the business they're in, this is not a good move. They're in the business of uh, giving Chris Cuomo a job, I guess. If that's the business they're in, then this is a good move, I guess. (laughs) I guess. But if they're in the news business or entertainment business or the credibility business uh, or the respect the audience business and make them feel respected business, 
mm-hmm. or the ratings business, then this is a terrible move. Yeah. But I mean, like, so I get how, you know, a liberal who hates Trump and loves Biden would think it was appropriate for, like, them to be biased in that way. Right. Like, you know, like these blue anon wine mom resistance types. Right. Like, but, but, that but they be, would think. So be we biased know. In what way? Well, against Trump. You mean. Against Trump. Yes, right. Yes, okay. So, like. These like obviously they want their channel to be biased against Trump because that's like what they're looking for in the news. So they go to, you know, CNN and they watch it and they wouldn't want the story about Hunter Biden's laptop and they want the story about Trump getting two scoops of ice cream and other people getting one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they want that kind of news coverage. And so like that, I even though obviously I think CNN is ridiculous I understand that from a business standpoint that they're playing to this audience that they want to have. But this is different from that because it is so like, I mean, everyone's talking about this Cuomo story. Everyone wants him to resign. Like who, what audience are you catering to if you do it, if you handle it this way? Just the audience of the Cuomo family? It's total cowardice. It reminds me of being, when I've worked in media... And it's total cowardice. And it, it, it's, you know, I don't know if they're talking to the legal department. Uh, I don't know if they're just a, just a scared. Um, but it reminds me of when I worked in media and and we'd get in trouble for something big by something we wrote or something uh, said. And there would be a, you get in trouble and you'd have, you know, the normal people who are, get paid and run run uh, activist groups to get offended at everything, mm-hmm. start asking questions of you and accusing you of things and accusing you of this and that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of being, usually it's being a racist or being a sexist or being this or that or whatever, mm-hmm. and accuse you. And then the company takes you aside and shuts you down and says, don't respond. Don't respond to anything at all. And you're like, no, I can respond and clarify this and make us look good and make hay out of this and show that we're in the right. But they say, no, we talk to the lawyers. We don't want trouble. Just don't respond. So you sit there taking a beating, looking guilty. It's the same kind of same kind of mindset that this is. Right. Where it's just caution. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. We'll all do the most ridiculous thing that showcases us as total cowards. But anyway, so that is going on right now. Jen Psaki did get a question about this because Joe Biden has his own troubles. A lot of men in politics have been accused of sexual harassment. Uh, President Biden was accused by female Secret Service agents of skinny dipping in front of them, offending them, according to former Washington Post reporter Ronald Kessler, who's an author as well. Uh, His former Senate aide, Tara Reid, accused him of sexual assault. Uh, The Washington Post and The New York Times have published multiple accounts of women who objected to the way President Biden touched them. Uh, Should there be an independent investigation of allegations into the president as there was into Governor Cuomo? Well, first, I would say um, the president has been clear and outspoken about the importance of women uh, being uh, respected and having their voices heard and being allowed to tell their stories and people treating them with respect. That has long been his policy, continues to be his policy. Uh, that those were that was heavily litigated during the campaign. I understand you're eager to come back to it, uh, but I don't have anything further other than to repeat that he has called for uh, the governor to resign. Heavily litigated during the campaign. Mm-hmm. Was it heavily litigated? I don't recall it being too heavily litigated whatsoever. 
Um, let's see. Very quickly, uh, we got to hit the border quickly. Ducey asked her about the border, which is a total, total mess. Why isn't more being done to help the landlords who are struggling? Oh, I'm sorry. That's not the border. Did I not play that cut? Uh, it doesn't matter. We know, hit that we, stuff all I want to hear the Ron DeSantis border thing, though. That he doesn't want to hear a blip about COVID. Oh, the, the one that was in the intro? I thought you played the other one at the beginning. So his vision is, just like in New York City, restaurants should ban young kids from being able to go in because they're not eligible for vaccination. And law-abiding citizens have to produce proof of their medical records just to go to the gym or attend an event or just to participate in everyday society. He wants that, but yet if you want to vote... He thinks it's too much of a burden to show a picture ID when you're voting. So no voter ID, but have to show your medical papers just to be able to live an everyday life? Give me a break. And so I think the question is, is we can either have a free society or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you, Florida, we're a free state. People are going to be free to choose to make their own decisions about themselves, about their families, about their kids' education, and about putting food on the table. And Joe Biden suggests that if you don't do lockdown policies, then you should, quote, get out of the way. But let me tell you this. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm not going to let you get away with it. If you're trying to deny kids a proper in-person education, I'm going to stand in your way and I'm going to stand up for the kids in Florida. If you're trying to restrict people, impose mandates, if you're trying to ruin their jobs and their livelihoods and their small business, if you are trying to lock people down, I am standing in your way and I'm standing for the people of Florida. So why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you. Absolutely. Right on point completely. The border is blowing up down there. I mean, mm-hmm. thousands more people coming through. Hundreds of thousands even. there. Uh, the preliminary numbers that have been leaked for July, uh, it's looking like over 200,000. They're saying 210,000 migrants stopped at the border compared to 188,000 in June, which was already record-breaking and crazy and normally at a time of year when it's supposed to be going down. So, yeah, they're blaming the Trump administration. They're saying that this is pent-up demand uh, from the pandemic during Trump and that that it's just seasonal and we'll it's go back to normal. It's been almost four months since the president told migrants, don't come, don't leave your town. Almost two months since the vice president went to Central America to say, do not come. But people are coming in record numbers. Does the president think his immigration plan is working? Well, the president continues to convey uh, to anyone, as you've said, uh, who wants to come to the United States, now is not the time to come. It is not the time to come and try to go through a regular migration. We want to have an effective process where you can apply uh, for asylum, where you can apply for legal status. We have increased our investment in areas like the Central American Miners Program, oh, allowing good. people to apply from within country, so they are not making that dangerous yeah, trip. Mostly There's coming more up, that needs to be done. Uh, we've also instituted a, 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 a number of additional steps 
recently, uh, including expedited removals uh, to move people out of the country more quickly. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's, we're still at work on a, an improving a process and improving a system that was very broken when we took Oh, right. It was of course, broken. migrants is the same, even though they are coming at 21-year high, 210,000 encounters at the border last month. And I would also note the number of people who were uh, who were removed from the border. Which Whoa. Is important- well, that's not the point, Jen, is the people who were removed. It's the people who are getting in that are concerning. Important part of the context, which is almost half of that number. But he's saying don't come, and they're coming. Well, there are a number of factors, as you all know, uh, that are happening in these countries, and we're working to address those as well. And the vice president is leading those efforts. We don't expect that to be a switch, uh, but addressing root causes in these countries, corruption, economic downturn, people are fleeing uh, a range of challenges of persecution. Uh, Those are issues we need to address. Climate, justice, yeah, whatever. In other words, they have no clue how to stop this, and they are happy that you're not paying more attention to it. Thank you, everybody, so much. You can find us on Twitter at BurnBarrelPod, Facebook.com slash BurnBarrelPodcast. We are also at BurnBarrelPodcast.com or on YouTube. Hold on one second, okay. Alice. Okay. Very quickly, we wanted to comment on this very quickly. Congratulations. Of course I surprised myself. It's by the grace of God I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm I'm excited to see what, what I have next. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it. And I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. There she is, Tamara Mensah-Stock. I know, we played it for you yesterday. We didn't talk about it. It is a good one. We love it. We love it. We We found one good Olympian. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, um, you can find us all those places I just mentioned. You can send us an email, uh, Tom Shaddix, or not Tom Shaddix. You can send us an email at burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com or on Gab and Parlor, also at burnbarrelpodcast there. C'est la vie. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.